Hello and welcome to Own Your Truth, where we're talking real advice for regular people. I'm Laura T. Thank you so much for listening. I know there's lots of ways you can spend your time, and I'm always grateful you're going to spend the next hour with me. So grab a bowl of ice cream or your favorite cup of tea, and let's explore the idea of communication. What do you think is more effective, old school or new tools? Well, what's interesting is this idea came to me after an experience I had with my niece. My kids have limited access to social media apps, so I'm really not used to those teenage norms about technology and communication. So they aren't on Snapchat, they um, aren't on Instagram, they're not on a lot of those apps. So while I was walking with my niece, um, she was taking selfies the entire time. And I know this is common for the younger generation, but it, it, it just didn't seem consistent with her personality. So I had to ask her. I said, I see you taking pictures of yourself. What are you doing with the pictures? And she said, oh, well, I'm communicating with my friends. I said, really? What exactly are you communicating? She said quickly, well, it's Snapchat. And so I was genuinely curious. I asked, okay, so what specifically are you communicating to your friends with multiple photographs of yourself on Snapchat? And she paused and said, well, I'm not sure. The pictures just show my friends where I am. And I said, okay, well, that's cool. But after the first picture, what exactly are you saying when you show your friends where you are multiple times? And what did they say back? She laughed at me and she's like, auntie, I don't really know. I never thought of it. It's just what we do. So this got me thinking about communication. How effective are the current tools for communication versus old school methods? So current tools, we're looking at social media um, and basically your digital communication. Old school methods, I'm thinking about conversations, you know, like picking up the phone and actually talking face to face to people. So it's so easy to get into patterns that we don't question. I often tell this story, and you may have already heard of it, but I love the story about the mom who cook, who's cooking the pot, pot roast. Her young daughter watching says, hey mom, why do you cut off both ends of the roast before you put it in the pan? And the mother says, well, I don't really know. My mom always did it. Well, so the next time they were at the grandmother's house, the granddaughter asked, hey Nana, why do you cut off both ends of the pot roast before you put it in the pan? And she said, well, Honestly, I don't really know. My mom always did it. Well, so fortunately, the young girl's great-grandmother was still alive. So together, the family of women called her and asked, Grandma, why do you cut off both ends of the pot roast before you put it in the pan? And without hesitation, she said, because I never had a pan big enough for the whole roast. Right? I, it's so funny how we get into these habits that we don't question. But it's important that we question what we're doing, how we're doing it, and is it the most effective? Otherwise, our cooking becomes controlled by a pot and our communication effectiveness becomes controlled by the new tools we use. Because I'm not a social scientist or an expert, I'm just a curious observer with a desire to understand at a deeper level, I figured it was best to begin my research at the beginning. We're gonna like break this down to the simplest forms. What exactly is the definition of communication? Well, when I looked it up, 
It's described as the process by which information is exchanged between individuals through a system of symbol signs and behavior. Okay, so are the current ways we're communicating, including 40 character messages, abbreviated words like LOL and IDK, emojis, selfies, and the ability to push out content 24-7 through devices, effective ways to communicate as opposed to in-person, face-to-face interactions or phone conversations? You know, those things that actually have a start and end? Well, I wasn't really sure, so I figured it was worth digging a little bit deeper. Well, I also wanted to get some statistics. Like, what are we looking at when we think about digital interactions, digital communication? So, some interesting digital statistics from a 2019 Hootsuite and We Are Social report indicate there are 4.39 billion internet users, which is a 9% increase since January of 2018. There are 3.48 billion social media users, also a 9% increase since the same time last year. And there are 3.26 billion people using social media on mobile devices. And this represents a year-on-year increase of more than 10%. Additionally, Bank My Cell reports the average smartphone user checks their device 47 times a day. That's 17,155 times a year. 85% of smartphone users check their device while speaking with friends and family. We're going to talk about the impact of that a little bit later. And 80% of smartphone users check their phone within one hour of waking or going to sleep. Even more dramatic, 35% do it within the first five minutes. So clearly, the new tools aren't going away. They seem to be getting stronger. So how are we using today's new tools? And are they more effective than old school communication techniques? Since I always like to start with a positive. Let's explore the three benefits of today's new communication tools. The first benefit is greater access. You know, I find it really fascinating that at no point in history have you had greater access to people than you do today. Here's the question. Are you taking advantage of that access? I know I don't do it consistently, and yet when I do, the benefit is huge. So my favorite example is a few years ago, my husband and I were watching the Golf Channel and a song, Nothing for Granted, was played during this golf montage. I'd never heard the song before, but instantly I loved it. So what did we do? We Shazammed it. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Shazam app, because it can now be done by Siri, Shazam is an app that allows you to press a button and it tells you who the artist is of a song. So we should zammed it and we find out um, that the artist is Brendan James. And, you know, in the moment, I'm often known for making very bold statements. I say to my husband, oh, well, I love this song and I'm going to have him play at my 40th birthday. Well, of course, my husband laughed and was like, um, okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, and so oh, I, what I started to do is I used technology. I searched the in- internet. I found his conference contact information, and I sent him an email. I asked if he played private gigs. To my surprise, he did, and I was instantly put in touch with his scheduler. Well, so although I didn't have him play at my 40th birthday, he has played three private concerts for me, 
And that's just one example of a fun way to use greater access. So there are lots of benefits. You know, I was watching um, Gary Vaynerchuk, one of the country's leading social media entrepreneurs. He's also the author of the New York Times bestseller, Crush It. He was speaking to members of the Rutgers football team. Um, he was talking to the students about their ability to leverage their college experience through greater access. For the members of the team, he, he really broke it down and made it simple. He suggested they search the name of the college or university on any social media platform and simply see who's talking about it, then connect with them. So for the football team, he recommended they comment on people's posts. If someone says good luck, the member of the team could say thank you. If someone says they're attending a game, the member of the team could say, you know, I look forward to seeing you from the field. He offered a few other examples of how to leverage these new tools to build a tribe and it was really terrific. It really showcases the benefit of today's tools. You don't have to be in college to be accessing and leveraging people with the same interests. For example, I have an accountant client using a similar approach with his niche market. He's using LinkedIn and Facebook to search for people and groups related to his niche. He's then reaching out to them with a value-added item. Now, I think it's really important to note he's not reaching out to say, buy me, buy my services, which totally drives me crazy. He's offering his book free, and then he's following up to see if people have questions. He's using technology to make genuine connections, and I have to tell you, he's totally killing it. He's building his tribe with people he would never otherwise have access to, and in less than eight months, he's getting clients and speaking gigs from around the country. So clearly one of the benefits of today's communication tools is greater access. So it's something that we can look at and take advantage of. Okay. The second communication benefit of today's new tools is global reach. Right now you have the ability to reach anyone anywhere. You're no longer confined by town lines or state borders or even your country's location on the globe. Whoever you need to contact, if they're online, you can do it. And the benefits are as much personal as they are professional. I have a friend who schedules weekly online visits for her kids to talk to her parents that live in Spain. If we were living by old school standards, those grandparents would be lucky to see their grandchildren a couple of times a year or during holidays. You know, I even think about my parents and my husband's parents. They live out of state, and thanks to technology in the schools, they have a link, literally a link online, that they can access to see the kids during band and choir concerts. They no longer have to make the long drive to see their grandchildren perform. And it's such a gift. These new tools allow families to stay connected even when they live really far apart. You know, the benefit of global reach is equally beneficial for businesses. Before today's new tools, businesses and organizations were forced to sell local or invest in travel. If they were traveling, businessmen and women had to cram as much as possible into trips with fingers crossed there were no hiccups because delays and cancellations were costly. Not anymore. You can schedule video conferencing with remote clients and international teams. So the benefit of global reach can not only broaden your client base, but it can also increase your talent pool. So all of this is such a gift to how we communicate.
The third benefit of today's technology is it keeps you connected 24-7. You know, online, you never have to put up the close sign, right? With the touch of a button, you can get access to information and communicate with people anytime, day or night. Open 24-7 means that businesses have greater opportunity to reach their customers. Like, let's say you're a small retailer in um, like the Midwestern part of the country. With a specialty product, your online store can still make a sale to a potential client, say, on the East or even the West Coast, while you're sleeping. You know, it's funny because I use this specific example because my son is involved in curling. You know, there's a sport everybody tends to turn off during the Winter Olympics because you don't really understand it. I mean, trust me, I was with you until he was into the sport. There was no way I was watching curling. The game seemed long and I couldn't follow it. But once you understand it, it's really, really fascinating. Anyway, getting gear for the sport is really challenging, especially locally. So I'm grateful I'm able to go online. It allows me access to greater variety and it gives me a chance to do price comparisons I wouldn't be able to do otherwise. You know, plus there's the benefit that I can do it in the middle of the night on those rare occasions I can't sleep. And clearly I'm not alone with my online shopping habits because according to SCORE, 51% of people prefer to shop online. If we were stuck in old school techniques, my choices would be limited and I'd have to figure out traveling to remote locations to buy equipment. Plus, I would be left tossing and turning in my bed at night when I couldn't get to sleep. So the benefits are great. Well, you may be thinking, okay, so the ability to buy stuff is there, but how is being open 24-7 a benefit to how we communicate? So if you're a service provider, you have the chance to connect value-added information to your clients while you're out providing the service to the people locally, right? You could even provide information while you're sleeping. It's interesting to me that right now, 100% of my business comes from online, but if you look at my online numbers, you wouldn't even know that. I'm not maxed out on my friends or followers. I don't have, you know, multi-thousand clicks on my videos. But what I do have is a loyal tribe that sees what I share and remembers me when someone they know is looking for a coach and trainer. And that happens even when I don't know it. That's the gift of Open 24-7. So it's also interesting to note the ability to have an impact on people goes beyond the likes and followers. The power of online reviews is something that I think for those of us who communicate online, we know, but we may not truly understand. Again, according to a recent report put out by SCORE, 88% of customers trust online reviews as much as personal recommendations. And customers spend up to 31% more on products and services with business that have healthy reviews. Other people communicating the benefit of your product or service 24-7 is definitely a communication win. Continue to create content and remember to ask for reviews because when you're communicating a positive message, 
it does consistently pay off. So as a review, the top three benefits to today's new communication tools are greater access to people, global reach that allows you to connect across borders and even continents, and open 24-7 allows you the ability to share value-added information with clients and potential clients even while you're sleeping. So that's all great. However, we know every gift at its extreme can also be a detriment. So let's talk about the pitfalls of those same three benefits, greater access, global reach, and open 24-7. So here's the thing about greater access. More isn't always better. The brain is easily overwhelmed. So without predetermined filters for how you plan to spend your time online, or who you want to interact with, and even what information you want to read, it's easy to get sucked down a rabbit hole of negativity, even mindless scrolling, and YouTube binge watching. And that's just to name a few. What can you do? How do you prevent this? Well, it's so important to set boundaries. You know, one of those ways is to limit your time online. Another way is to unfollow negative conversations and set your information filters in advance. Create filters that only bring the information you're interested in into your mailbox. More often, people are responding to what's happening online instead of creating the online experience they really want. You have to decide what will work best for you. And remember, you must set boundaries. Otherwise, the addictive nature of digital usage can easily take over. So I'll share a little bit of a personal example in terms of setting boundaries. For me and my household, technology is not allowed at the table ever. And you know, it's funny, I don't allow it on short car trips either. And short car trips are anything long, uh, less than a half hour. These are non-negotiable standards. This is my time to talk with the family. I want to show my kids how to interact in a community. And that starts with us as a family. Because when they leave the family, they'll go into a college setting, which is a community. And from there, they'll go into their own home or apartment, which is also a community. And their community will expand. If I'm not showing them, by example, how to communicate in those interactions, they won't learn it on their own. So it's, for me, it starts at home. So some of the other boundaries that I set um, include unfollowing anyone online who's negative or whose posts have strong political beliefs. Listen, I totally support an individual's right to post anything they want. At the same time, I'm responsible for my own energy, and those types of posts negatively impact that energy. So I just choose not to have those messages show up in my feed. Here's the important thing to know. I'm still friends with and love the people who post them. Uh, they're actually often my, my dearest friends and closest family. But again, it's about managing my own, own energy. It's about deciding how I want to experience this digital world. So far, we've covered the pitfalls of one of the three communication benefits. 
After the Own Your Truth Musical Artists of the Week, we're going to talk about the other two. But I'll hold off of those so that we can really highlight this week's artist. This week, I'm excited to share with you music from Auburn Mode. This eclectic group is truly the cornerstone of Hartford's music scene, with influences as diverse as the list of acts they support and the musical range they play. The team of talented artists that comes together to form this group are also part of other groups, and despite crazy schedules and hectic lives, they continually find themselves drawn to creating together because there's a no-rules, no-agenda approach and a commitment to whatever feels right for the moment. So here is Live in Style from Auburn Mode. And I see you on the
Yet it's been so long Yet it's been so long Now look Yet it's been so long Since I wrote you a song Now tell you how I feel Well, I see the awesome sounds of Auburn Mode, we started to explore the communication pitfalls of today's new tools. Remember, we were looking at the benefits and pitfalls of greater access, global reach, and open 24-7. So let's talk about the pitfalls of global reach. When people have access to online, they often overlook the importance of face-to-face -face interaction and the power of group dynamics. Because online is faster and easier, they use the technology, but the problem is the impact pales in comparison to in-person. In research done at Western University and cited in Harvard Business Review, face-to-face -face is 34 times more effective in influencing some de someone's decision over email. This is worth repeating. Face-to-face -face is 34 times more effective in influencing someone's decision over email. Despite the reach of email, asking in person is significantly more effective because you only need to ask six people in person as compared to 200 people in an email blast. The study blatantly found that email is an unfair means of influence. It's so interesting that we use it so often, even though the impact is low. So, you know, it was interesting to this point, I recently received a group message from a friend I was once really close with, um, but I hadn't talked to in years. In the email, she shared she was sadly getting a divorce and she was looking for support as she searched for a job. Well, the truth is, it's unlikely I'm going to respond to that email. First, it, it actually felt strange to be blind carbon copied on what felt like a very personal email. And, and listen, I understand the message must be difficult to share regardless of how you share it. And yet, I know my response would be vastly different if she had picked up the phone and given me a call. I mean, the power of having that conversation and the desire for me to help is, I mean, just multiplied when we're talking in person. You know, on a professional note, I was asked to conduct a training with a fantastic company that has remote offices all across North America. So they asked me to do this team building at one of their sites, which I, I love to do. Fantastic. Obviously, the answer is yes. Well, once the date was set, they informed me a few members of the team would be joining the training online. Well, so I've been trained to coach anyone, anywhere, and I can really work with almost any situation. So I'm prepared to give them an awesome event. However, I had to warn my contact at the organization that the impact of team building is dramatically decreased when part of the team is remote. The reality is, 
E-learning research indicates 15 minutes is the average length of time you can keep someone's attention online. And this includes podcasts. So you'll notice where my commercials are placed. Uh, that's not accidental. Where, and as opposed to, in-person research indicates attention is task-dependent. So it's my job to create a program that engages the live audience so that I keep their attention, but it's nearly impossible to have the same effect online. So, you know, the question becomes, where are you overusing the convenience of new technology tools and missing out on the power of face-to-face -face interactions? It's a question we've got to be asking ourselves as the use of these tools increase. You know, sometimes awareness is all you need to make a meaningful change. Okay, so let's jump to the, the, the challenge, the drawback, the pitfall of our third benefit, Open 24-7. So the biggest communication challenge of Open 24-7 is that people equate customer service with being available 24-7. There's no longer a clear division between work and home. The result, quite frankly, is stress, burnout, and deteriorated relationships. Sadly, it's all for nothing, since research shows working more doesn't actually produce more, and in fact, it has diminishing returns. Not to mention, being overworked makes you worse at interpersonal communication, decision-making, and managing how you respond to situations. Surprisingly, according to a Harvard Business School survey, even knowing all of this, 94% of service professionals put in a 50 plus hour work week. In a time when employees use, I'm so busy, as a badge of honor, I'm coaching my clients to create boundaries. You know, we talked about boundaries online, creating these boundaries are so important. And it doesn't come naturally. It didn't even come naturally for me. You know, after eight years as a realtor, I, I remember distinctly, I was on the phone with a client and we were running numbers and it was 8.30 at night. And I'd done a calculation and the, it was wrong. There was an error. And he said to me, you know, your total's off. And I'm not sure why, but his comment, it, it like jolted me into reality. And in that moment, I said to him politely, you know what, my numbers are off because I shouldn't be on the phone with a client at 11.30 at night. What we're working on isn't gonna save a life. And to be honest, you're not even gonna miss out on a deal if we don't do this tonight. So I asked to end the call and to pick it up the next day. He totally agreed, it was like we were, interacting but not really conscious of the time and he was like oh yes of course of course and eventually we did close a deal but I have to say that was my last real estate transaction as a real estate agent I didn't realize how caught up I was in the in the hustle I was hushing my kids at night while I was on calls I was working early mornings and into the middle of the night during vacation I was putting in 80 plus hour work weeks I was exhausted, and as a result, I was miserable. Even though I loved my work, I didn't know how to stop because I was taught that customer service meant 24-7 access and instant response. It doesn't. It doesn't have to mean that unless that's the expectation you've created for your client. Customer service means providing the 
best assistance or advice during your regular hours of operation. You can't provide the best service and advice if you're overworked, constantly stressed, and really unhappy. So now I create my experience. I set boundaries. I start my day at 9 a.m. and I end at 3 p.m. As a parent, I need to create the balance I want to exhibit to my children. Remember, kids are going to watch what you do over listen to what you say. I really work weekends and here was a big shift for me and it's something that I often get comments on. I changed my email signature and I added a little note that says, I am committed to my family and therefore away from technology from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. each day. If your response is received between those hours, rest assured I'll contact you the following business day. And, and notice I said those numbers wrong. So I'm away from technology from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. There's a 12-hour span. I'm away from technology. Um, I misread the, the times. But I will tell you, the quality of my life and the sense of fulfillment is so high that I wouldn't even know how to measure it. And here's the thing. My clients get the best of me instead of what's left to me. And it makes the difference in my, in the customer satisfaction. So I have a question for you. What are your boundaries? Do they help you create the life experience you want? If not, it's time to set some or change the ones that aren't working. There are clearly benefits to new tools. And yet, as you've seen, anything at its extreme is a detriment. And only we can monitor and measure that. Okay, it's worthwhile to review what we've talked about, sort of the benefits and drawbacks of old school techniques versus today's new tools. You know, this idea of uh, more access, global reach, and open 24-7, these are gifts of technology. And again, remember, at its extreme, Everything is a detriment. And so when those are put to use at an extreme, it can be a detriment to both communication as well as relationships. So it's important to consider where you fall and what you want your experience to be like. Okay, so let me share some of these interesting tidbits. And again, these didn't fall exactly into the information and show as it was designed, but I thought they were fascinating. Um, as I was researching, I came across a document put out by Pew Research Center. Uh, it's called Stories from Experts About the Impact of Digital Life. And uh, David Ellis, who's a PhD and course director of the Department of Communication Studies at York University in Toronto, shared his experience in banning all digital devices in his class and enforcing the use of paper and pen. So what was most interesting about the story is that he was working with fourth-year students in his course, and ironically, they were there to learn about telecom and internet technologies. I'm going to read an expert, an excerpt of his experience. He says, on the surface, it looks like a perfect match. Hyperkinetic connected digital natives acquiring more knowledge about digital, if only. The sad truth is they suffer from a serious behavioral addiction that makes it pretty much impossible for them to pay attention to their instructors or classmates. 
Some even drop out rather than suffer the indignity of being offline for an entire class. Yet to pretty much everyone's surprise, redemption comes to almost everyone. Within a month, I got enthused reactions about how good it feels to be phone deprived. Grades went up along with the quality of the class discussion. Some students reported this was the first time they'd been able to concentrate on the course material. Or even that it's the only course in which they learned something. That would be flattering if it wasn't such a sad indictment of the state of higher education today, where classrooms have become a wasteland of digital distraction. Wow. So there's a couple messages in there. The first is the gift of removing technology, right? We get so used to a certain way of living, we don't realize that we really need to make a shift. And the other piece is his evaluation of higher education being a wasteland of digital distraction. I have friends who are professors who experience so much of the same, and it's so sad. And yet, as I think about it, is the classroom any different from what your experience in meetings or during training at work? You know, I even think about what is your experience when you eat out or you're around the house with your family? You know, the other night I was out to eat with my kids and I looked to the left and the family of four sitting next to us, they were all on their devices. No one was talking to each other. You know, I often see young couples on dates and both of them are on their phones. The reality is your actions directly reflect your priorities. So when you're on a device in the presence of family and friends or even colleagues, the message you're communicating is you're more committed to whoever and whatever you're doing online than you are to the people who are with you. Again, your actions reflect your priorities. That doesn't change even if you can justify it with your words. If that message is not your intention, and I always believe the good in people, it's important to change your behavior. Another interesting communication tidbit I uncovered is about the 7% rule. Have you ever heard of it? Well, in preparing for the show, I thought back to the rules of communication I learned over the years, and the one that stuck out in my mind was this 7% rule. It was something I'd heard in college as a student and heard again in sales training as an adult. And it states 55% of communication is body language, 38% is tone, and only 7% are the words that are used. Well, and I thought, certainly I can use this as reference for some of the challenges we face communicating today through devices because you miss out on tone, you miss out on body language. Well. Sadly, I couldn't use those statistics because the reporting of the research was oversimplified by the media when it was released. And it made me laugh because, yes, fake news even happened in the 70s. What the statistics say um, is this gentleman, Albert Morabian and his colleagues conducted a, a small study and discovered in specific instances where there was inconsistency or contradictions between verbal and nonverbal communication, body language and tone are more accurate indicators of meaning and emotions than the words themselves. 
So, for example, when you get a gift from your spouse and you tell him you love it while you roll your eyes and kind of scrunch your nose, essentially your body language is owning your truth while your words aren't exactly uh, saying what you mean because you want to be polite. The rule does not apply to all communication, but only in those instances where there's a contradiction between what's being said and how you show up. You know, noting, knowing that this is something that's shared in classrooms, this is something that's, um, you know, touted online as fact, it had me wondering how much of our communication is so grossly generalized, generalized or in this case, oversimplified that we aren't effective regardless of whether we're using a new tool or holding on to the old school techniques. Well, so I couldn't end the show without specifically talking about these primary old school communication techniques. And for me, that meant direct communication, you know, face-to-face -face and phone conversations. You know, sadly, it's becoming a lost art. Young people don't have the skills to carry on meaningful conversations, and many adults are losing focus so quickly, they don't have the capacity to stay involved in conversation. You know, that's this idea of, are we speaking on such a surface level that we're missing out on meaningful communications? Even with our current communication habits, a study in the Harvard Business Review revealed that 87% of professionals consider face-to-face -face communication an essential element in closing a business deal. And an overwhelming 95% of respondents call it crucial in forming lasting business relationships. 95% of respondents say it's crucial in forming relationships, and yet that's not what we're doing. In an article um, that I had read, Are Smartphones Killing the Art of Face-to-Face -face Conversation, a gentleman by the name of Dr. James Roberts, he's a professor of marketing at Baylor University and author of Too Much of a Good Thing, Are You Addicted to Your Smartphone, was cited as saying, some people are becoming conversational cowards. They lack the willingness to have difficult face-to-face -face conversations and they aren't cultivating those skills. A lot of what used to be done face-to-face -face is now done via computer, mediated communication. And I think that's sad because what we've lost is the humanness of contact and conversation. When we lose our ability to relate to people, to empathize with people, we care less about those people. It's ironic a tool designed to connect us has been given the power to isolate and distract us from meaningful conversations and real relationships. Quality listening and conversation is a skill that needs to be taught and practiced. Although I don't believe we intentionally sacrifice deeper conversations for shallow interactions, it's happening because we continue to accept and engage this way without questioning it. Like the generations of women who cut off the ends of the pot roast without asking why that I shared at the beginning of the show. We're following a path, never asking for directions, and creating a society unable to engage in the most fundamental aspect of community. And that's conversation. 
So clearly there are benefits to communicating with today's new tools and there's a cost to abandoning old school communication. I look at it and I think the key is really moderation and consideration. Moderate how much time you spend using new tools and consider what you are communicating when you're making use of today's technology. Consider what you're communicating when you're prioritizing technology over people. Thank you for joining me. I hope today's segment has you thinking differently about technology and communication. As always, I love hearing your thoughts and getting your feedback on the show. So visit Own Your Truth with Laura T's Facebook page and be sure to comment.